Well, what's up, besties, and welcome back to another episode of the Sheevers World Podcast. It's your host, Danielle here, and I am, as always, so excited to bring you another episode this week. Today's guest, I am especially pumped for because this is a topic I have been wanting to find an expert to speak on and to share on for some time, and I wanted to truly leave it to an expert, and we found one for you. Mallory Rowan, multi-passionate entrepreneur. She has built four companies. She had over a million dollar net worth before she was 30 years old. But what she really specializes in is building healthy, sustainable, profitable companies without burnout. Sign me up. By the way, she has courses. So truly sign me up and enroll me. My conversation with Mallory was incredible. It was dynamic. It was empowering. And I got so much out of it. I was taking furious notes the entire time because she is able to speak so much on not just the keys to building a successful business, the keys to exiting a successful business, but how to do all of it in line with what you really want in life. Like having that hard conversation of what do we truly want from it? And then being able to do it and have it all friends, without the burnout that I know I definitely struggle with. And I'm sure a lot of you do as well. Mallory is also the Canadian money voice for the very popular platform, her first 100 K. So she knows all about finances, financial freedom, investing, and building a healthy relationship with money. We are talking about our tools to recognize and cope and work past scarcity mindset. We're talking about cultivating our dream life outside of the internet hustle culture and expectations. And more than that, being able to truly identify the things that we want in life and the labels that support us instead of trying to place ourselves in boxes that maybe society or our own families or own expectations place on us. This conversation is engaging, it's dynamic. I am so excited to have met Mallory through a mutual friend, Christina Bartold. Shout out, Christina, you are the ultimate connector. And I am just so pumped for all of you to get to listen to this conversation as well. So without further ado, I'm going to stop these introductions and let Mallory do the talking for you. Mallory Rowan, welcome to the She vs. World podcast. You are a powerhouse. So Mallory, right before we hit record, we were talking a lot about the need to get out and explore the world post-COVID. Now that you have a valid passport, tell me what has been the most fun adventure that you have embarked on in the past couple months? Oh, that is a tough one. I feel like you're making me pick friend groups right now. Okay, never mind. Just kidding. (laughs) No, No, I recently actually, I would say I went to Arizona with two of my internet friends. We met in like 2019 online. We had a business mastermind online. We've sold products. We've done workshops together and we've never met in person. Like there's three of us, they've met each other, but I hadn't met either of them. So that was definitely like a milestone trip. We were just out in the desert, sitting in a hot tub, going for hikes. And by hikes, I mean walking on flatland in the (laughs) desert before anyone thinks I'm into anything too too crazy. Um, But that trip, I would say, was definitely memorable for meeting people who have had a huge impact on my life, even though we're just internet friends. I have to hear more about this. So you met online, you've worked together, you've collaborated. How did this happen? (laughs) So it all came down to, I had a speaking event in my city where after myself and five others um, that spoke decided to, you know, form this little mastermind of women in business in our city. And 
that was a really fun venture. And then um, one of my friends that was in it had another friend, um, Tori. And, you know, Tori reached out to me and she was like, Des was telling me all about your mastermind. It sounds amazing. Like any tips, I kind of want to do an online version. And, you know, you and I were talking about when the vibe is just there, right? So mm-hmm. I kind of threw it out there. I'm like, yeah, you should totally do it. Like, I'd love to do one with you. And she's like, perfect. That was my actual question. <laughs> so we got connected there. She said, I have this friend. She's a really cool author doing some cool stuff. How about we try the three of us and go from there? So we would do monthly meetings just to support each other, work through different issues, um, lean into each other's strengths. And then from there, we just had so much overlap in our communities that we actually decided to launch things together. And pretty much over the last like four years, we've successfully launched products together and it's been so much fun. And yeah, I finally went to meet them and we spent like a week together in the desert, could have been murdered could have hated them, but you know, I just knew it was going to go well. That is freaking amazing. Like I, my mouth is like open right now just because you meet people online and, and this is like the crazy world we live in that like you meet somebody online, you become close with them. You DM them every day. You start texting them. You do voice memos. You start a business with them. You start a mastermind with them. And it's like, this is the beauty of business today, right? Like I can't even imagine living in another time. No, and it's so true. And I think like one of the hardest things in starting a business is when you're really taking that different path from your current friend group. And it can be hard to feel understood, to feel like you have resources or people who will understand the challenges you're facing. So I always, always say like, don't underestimate internet friends. Like we're not even in the same time zone, but we're able to make time for each other. We talk regularly. Like you said, you can send a voice note, you can do the FaceTimes. There's so much value in connecting with people online, like that's, you have a whole global network now because of social and you might as well take advantage of it to find those people like you. So Mallory, I think everyone listening right now assumes that you are an adventurous powerhouse globe trotting woman, which you are all of those things, by the way. Um, but share with us a little bit more about you, um, how you got started, how you decided to take this leap into your own business ownership and what led you then to going out into a house in the desert in Arizona and then even onto this podcast. <laughs> For sure. So I started my first business while I was still in post-secondary. Um, and I actually started it with the guy I started dating at the same time. It was probably a horrible idea, wow. um, but somehow it worked out. We're still together eight years later. Um, so we launched our business when we started dating. We were powerlifting at the time and we wanted to create a brand that the modern powerlifter really related to like ourselves. So we created a lifestyle apparel company and um, that helped athletes give back. And we grew that to essentially be synonymous with the sport of powerlifting, which was really incredible. We had the top powerlifters in the world as athletes, and it was a super, super fun experience. Um, Led me to get super, super burnt out. Um, Definitely, I was working full-time corporate jobs, still in school, competing in powerlifting, building this business. And eventually, my body was just like, girl, I can't. (laughs) Um, So things started to fall apart. And that really forced me to step back and look at how I run my business, what I really want my business to do for me and how I want it to serve me. And that really changed my approach to that business and also inspired me to start helping other entrepreneurs to avoid this massive burnout that really set me back, had me deal with a lot of you know, horrible physical experiences. And 
I decided to help other entrepreneurs build their business without burning out. You know, so many people are so good at what they do, but the business and marketing side just gives them that full analysis paralysis. And that's the stuff that I love. So I love feeling like I'm opening those gates for them. They can finally get more eyes on what it is that they do. And they can really stay in that realm where they shine. Something that I have absolutely was so attracted to you when I was first introduced to you was that you talk so much about avoiding burnout. And I got to be honest with you, I'm probably your target demographic. Like I am your ideal client because I have, you know, worked for myself and I have poured everything into this business as, you know, a solopreneur or, or with, you know, a small team, we tend to do that. And we don't even realize that we're burned out because we just think that like, we're just in this this like sludge almost of like, we're doing all the things we're managing all the people. We don't even recognize that we are burned out because we just think like, this is what business ownership is. And maybe Mm. you can speak on how did you even recognize burnout in yourself as it related to your powerlifting apparel business? Yeah. I mean, for me, um, I don't know if you've ever heard the expression that if we don't listen to our body when it whispers, uh, it makes us listen when it screams. So I think that was very much true. I think we don't see the mental and emotional signs as signs. We see this like badge of honor and pushing through and being able to push through all these things. But what we don't realize is we're not pushing through it. We're pushing it down. We're pushing it down into our body. And that's where we start to see like the physical failures. So for me, it was really when I got um, pneumonia that I couldn't shake and also went to the doctor for something else. And she was like, wow, your lungs sound horrible. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like (laughs) I've always had asthma and she's like, no, like they're really bad. And so it was the point that I had pneumonia and like, didn't even notice enough to go to a doctor's that I was like, oh, this is a little alarming. (laughs) That's both terrifying. And also like, you really are like a tough cookie there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing, right? We think we just have to keep pushing and keep pushing. So that's kind of, um, where I was at with it. Um, I think a lot of the times it's easy to get swept up in that culture of more, more, more. And like I said, it's not until our body starts breaking down that we go, Oh, I think something's not working here. I wonder what it is. Right. And we go to a doctor and say like, Oh, are you stressed? Yeah, I'm stressed. But I think a lot of it is over the years of how it impacts on your body. Um, the symptoms that I really missed was things like not feeling like myself. I felt like I wasn't the same bubbly person anymore. I just kind of thought like, oh, is this like life after post-secondary? Like, am I just boring and grumpy now? Like I felt like a grumpy old man. Um, things that people did would like really irritate me in a way. Like I'm, I'm never an angry person. And I'd be like, wow, this is so frustrating to me. And it's a weird time because honestly, at any point in our life, we don't know what is us changing as a person versus something going on. Right. So that was definitely in hindsight, looking back, I'm like, Oh, those were just early signs that I really was tapping out. Oh my God. Well, you know, I would say that it's really admirable and it probably goes to the fact that you're a power lifter, that you are able to be that in tune with your body and to then to look at the situation and say, okay, it's time to turn the page. And I think a lot of us in the entrepreneurial community have had that moment where you have to say, okay, it's time to turn the page. It's time for the next chapter. How did you approach that entire page turning? Like, was it a hard decision? Was it easy? What were some of the considerations that went into it? How were you emotionally through all of it? Yeah. I mean, emotionally a mess. (laughs) (laughs) If we're going to be honest here. Um, I think for me, it happens with a lot of people. We, we tie up 
our identity in these labels, whether that label is entrepreneur. For me, it was young entrepreneur and powerlifter. And so when my body was falling apart, it was harder for me to hold that powerlifting label. And having a business so closely tied to that was really tough because you get in your head of like, you know, if I'm not competing in powerlifting, how is this going to affect my business? And I think a lot of people that create these businesses in the communities they love can fall into these hard points of if I'm not doing X, am I really this person everyone thinks I am? And so that was a hard process to go through when you're trying to do the best thing for your body, but thinking the best thing for your business is the opposite. Um, So that was definitely difficult in terms of like getting through it. In terms of the logistics, I think we, you know, we took a step back from the business. We really slowed it down and simultaneously it forced more conversations around what we wanted with this business. And for us, you know, we were helping athletes give back, but at the same time, we were really contributing to consumerism, right? People wanted more and more items with every launch. You've seen fitness companies, right? Each collection, there's like 60 items. And yeah. Like it's absurd. And I got to the point, I was like, I don't need more new apparel from us. Like how do other people need more new stuff from us? And so I was simultaneously feeling this disconnect from that. So we really took a step back and, you know, I like to pull back the curtain on like the the logistics and the financials because it often gets overlooked in like the sexy retelling of stories. Um, so for ourselves, like I took on some marketing clients and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do this thing that I can, it's a skill I have. I'm going to make sure my bills are covered. So none of these decisions that are going to really affect my life are based out of financial fear. I want to be in a place where like I have that baseline, I have my things covered. So if I decide I want to go right or I want to go left with this business, I know it's not coming out of like that scarcity fear spot. So that was like a really big thing for me that also bought me some time to make decisions. I didn't feel this looming pressure of like, okay, we got to decide right now. It gave me space to reconsider what I wanted and while still doing some low-key work that I enjoyed. You know, I think that's one of the hugest issues that we face, right? Right now as business owners or as new business owners or as as anything, it's that scarcity mindset. And it is, you know, responsible for us not charging the rates we're worth. It's responsible for us staying in bad jobs. It's responsible for us like a million things. Did you have to do work around that? Did you do money mindset work? How did you get to a place where you could even very maturely look at that situation objectively and and say like, okay, my bills are covered. I'm going to take on work I like, and this is the best financial decision. Yeah. I think so much of it is one day at a time. Um, I also think learning about money all of the time is so, so important, whether you're a business owner or not. Um, We're always going to be learning new things. Like you never know everything there is to know about money. There's so many different perspectives. So for me, it was always listening to podcasts, always reading books, always gathering more perspectives. Um, So I could also, you know, simultaneously be doing things like energy work or journaling and meditation and working through my things. And I think, you know, a lot of those issues don't go away. I still definitely have scarcity mindset. It shows up in different ways. It's funny how you, you know, are saying I look like a globetrotter, like travel is so hard for me to spend money on. So it's like, I'm here because after like, so many years of doing minimal travel, I'm like, okay, Mal, you're allowed to like spend money on these trips and like think of the experiences. And for some people, travel is like the easiest thing to spend money on, right? So they might hear that and go like, wow, how is that hard for her? But I think scarcity continues to show up for most of us. It's just about, okay, 
do we have the tools to recognize it? Do we have the tools to not let it be impacting the decision so much and actually get to a place where we're not, you know, living in anxiety from all of it? It's actually funny that you just said that about travel, because for me and my husband, travel is the one thing that we will like spend exorbitant amounts of money. Like we Mm. fly first class, we stay, we, and we also have a lot of credit card points, guys. Don't worry. We're not. (laughs) (laughs) We're okay. We're okay. We're okay. Okay. Like we, like we are like, we work so hard that when we take a vacation, we want to be comfortable. We want to enjoy the entire experience from when we leave our house to, you know, how we get there, everything. But then at the same time, I am the worst person at taking care of my own self and my own needs as it relates to like going and getting a facial or a massage. Like I could literally like my shoulder could be like touching my ear and I'd be like, I'm fine guys. Don't worry about it. But to me, I'm like, oh, you don't deserve to spend money on yourself to go get a massage. And it's funny how you said it manifests in all of us in different ways. And it doesn't mean that just because we have like kind of one aspect figured out or okay, that we're okay across the board. Totally. Like I always use the example, like I can have a gym membership or I can have a hot yoga membership, even though I love both the idea of doing both of those things with like a recurring membership. I'm like, the luxury. Like I cannot give myself that. And it's so silly because both of those things help me show up better to the relationships in my life. They help me show up better for myself, for my business. Right. So we're constantly setting ourselves back by these decisions when we think we're doing something more cautious. How did you start to even become so educated in this? Because it's, it's something that for a lot of us is a lifelong journey. And again, like I hear you when you say that you've taken it one day at a time, but like, did, was it a podcast that sparked your interest? Was it how you were raised? Tell me a little bit about like, what was it like, you know, post-secondary coming out of it? Were you this engaged in a money relationship? Uh, Yeah. I think I was always into business from a really young age. Like I always thought I would be a C-level marketing exec at a big company, like even pre-high school and high school and university, you know, I planned my prom. I did all of the um, charity fundraisers in high school. Like I was very involved in those things. I loved the rush of like printing the grad merch, you know, selling, promoting those things. So I always knew that was going to be a component for me, but I honestly didn't think I would ever run my own business. I remember in entrepreneurship class, um, in post-secondary thinking about, you know, having all these guest speakers and thinking it was so cool, but I never imagined myself, you know, returning to that class a few years later, telling my story. Um, Yeah, but I think it was just that knowing I was so curious about the business side. And I think once I got into corporate and seeing some of the long processes and what felt like arbitrary rules of like, okay, you know, you're at the office these hours or you're working in your cubicle. I'm like, I can do this job from home, right? Or it's summer. I don't want to be in the air conditioning. It was all these like really small details that made me realize like that didn't align for me. And I think that was what really motivated me to learn more. And honestly, just starting my own business was the biggest thing because I think people think they have to have all the answers to start, but if you just start, you will figure it out. And most mistakes you won't go to jail for, you know, like you will catch it before it gets to that point. You get yourself a good accountant, a good lawyer, you save your receipts, you'll figure the rest out, you know? So I think honestly, starting a side business was the biggest thing that kind of pushed me one step at a time to learn like, okay, 
Where do I want this money to go from the business? What does investing look like? What are the different accounts with that? And I think continuing to expose myself to people that were doing things out of the norm, because the more I realized I wasn't going to go down a traditional path, the more it made me realize I needed to seek out education, whether it was podcasts or books um, or anything in between, like content creators. I needed to seek out that mentorship from people that um, had a more similar path to me. I think that's incredible and and definitely would attribute your success in that space to just how intellectually hungry you are and how much you take ownership over that. And I think that that's really key is that a lot of us think, okay, well, I didn't learn this in high school or I didn't learn this at all. And so therefore I just don't need to learn it and it's always going to be hard. Right. And that's a victim. mentality. But I think what you've done is you've said, I'm curious because I want to be able to run a successful business and understand my PL or I want to understand investing. And you've actually taken that positive step forward. And I like super applaud you for that because I, I think that everyone thinks that like money and finances and investing is like really big and scary. And it's because they're taking the, the time to like go out there and learn it and do it. Totally. And I think there's always like doses of it you can find. We don't all like my parents you know, they were middle-class and we did okay, but they like, I'm teaching them about investing, right? Like, I don't think we always have these built-in methods. Like you said, we don't learn it in school, but I think one of the harsher lessons is learning like no one's coming to save you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's always stuck with me of like, okay, you're either going to figure it out or you're not, but somebody's not going to come hand you this. Um, Otherwise we'd all be wealthy and, you know, financially free and on our yachts, right? Um, You have to decide that you want to take it into your own hands. So let me ask you a kind of, you know, granular question here is you decided to sell this powerlifting apparel business and I'm, you know, you're very, very successful. What did you as a business owner do financially? Like, did you invest in other companies? Did you invest in yourself? Like if you were even coaching or mentoring another young female entrepreneur and she were to be in that situation, maybe what advice would you give her to do to also set herself up financially? Yeah. So we actually didn't sell our company in the end, um, which is interesting in itself. We, you know, talked to a few different people. Um, When we built our first business, we didn't have exit plans in mind. And I think it hit that point of like, okay, if we do want to sell, you know, there's such a commitment to that transitional period. A lot of people don't realize that, like how long you typically stay with the company Mm -hmm. to help support it in that transition. Mm -hmm. And you know what? We were just young and we were like, okay, when I'm like tapped on something, I'm pretty tapped, especially when I was physically tapped. And I was like, I don't know if I can do like that kind of transition. And there's a few different factors, but we were lucky in that, honestly, that last year we had such crazy expenses that we had a really great tax return. And in our a way, we were like, is this the universe being like, yes, you know what? This is like, the, you're like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it felt like the gift to the next thing, right? So I think, honestly, like transparently, I think it was like 18,000 we got back or something, which is kind of crazy for a tax return, but that really was the thing where we decided, okay, well, that can that can look like a down payment, right? If we can do that, those contracts to cover our bills, maybe we don't need it as a next business investment, but that could be something that gets us into this other space we want to be in. So we really use that to help purchase our first home. Um, 
So it got us into that investment space. We still had our bills covered from the contracts. And then it gave us that space to say, well, what do I really want to do next? And I, I, you know, thank that first business every day for the way it taught us, hey, I'm a multi-passionate person. I'm someone that's going to get bored. So how do I build the next businesses with that in mind? Instead of trying to find something where I don't get bored anymore because it's probably never going to happen, how do I, one, keep my businesses exciting to me, but two, how do I build them in a way that if I hit a point where I need to walk away or want to walk away, how do we build it more sustainably? And that has been so, so impactful to changing how I approach businesses today. Will you say more about that, about building a business that you is more sustainable, but also that you could walk away from? What does that mean for somebody? Because so many business owners think, oh my God, you know, it's the sunken cost fallacy that mm-hmm. I bought Pilates equipment. So now I, I have a Pilates studio and I have to own a Pilates studio for the rest of my life. But yeah. like the manifesting generator in me is like, <laughs> right? Like what if it like, I, I just knew it listening to you talk, but I was <laughs> And, you know, a year or two, I'm like over it. Or what if there's another global pandemic? God forbid. What is it? And so what are some safeguards or even some tools that you've put into place for your businesses that if you woke up and you're just like, this is not it anymore, I'm tapped. Yeah. Move forward from it. Yeah. So we got this rule from real estate investing that's having three exits with like any property you're purchasing. And I like to apply that to business now. And there's kind of like, I would say three core exits. Obviously you can come up with your own, but like as a base, selling the company would be number one. Um, so building something that can be an asset that stands on its own, that someone could buy one day and take over and keep running. The second one would be building a business that you can run for your life. Like sometimes people call it a lifestyle business. Sometimes these are just small businesses, could be a big business, um, but you could either build a team or you can just you know, really narrow in on your system. So it's something that you could enjoy and do for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third one is like selling assets. So for example, um, if you have like a really great email list, like that was something we looked at with our first business and honestly can still do is selling something like selling the business, but based on assets. Um, so for the website traffic, for the social media handle, for the email list, right? Mm-hmm. Um that's an option as well. So I think when you, you don't have to know which one you want to do, which was really empowering for me. Like even with my current business, I still constantly keep all these options in mind and do that check of like, okay, if I wanted to sell this, am I still building it in a way that it could sell? Are there small tweaks I need to do to get there? Um, if I want to run this forever, what does that look like? That's why a lot of my, like I started with some group programs that have turned into courses because I'm finding those self-led versions so that I could probably continue owning this business and I wouldn't have to throw it out the window and burn it all down if I felt like not teaching marketing anymore because the systems are in place for it to do most of it on its own. Um, so I think really thinking about those all the way through your business development kind of gives you a sense of relief of, okay, I'm not committed to this one thing. I think that idea that like everybody has one passion we're supposed to like do in our life purpose forever is really misleading and harmful to especially manifesting generators because that's just not actually true for us. I love what you said about creating the systems in place because that's that's like my wheelhouse and my jam is creating systems to just so that you can step away. And whether it's for a vacation or whether it's because you're done with a business um, and you, you know, you specialize in marketing, but you really see business from a holistic 360 perspective, which I bet when your clients work with you as a marketing expert, that's tremendously valuable as well. 
Yeah, it's funny. You know, sometimes you get your best marketing from your clients. I had uh, one of my one-on-one clients referred somebody else and she said, you know, what I love that Brittany mentioned is that you're a founder focused coach. And I was like, oh, I guess I am because I'm always asking like, where do you see this business fitting into your life? How do you want it to serve you? And when I ask them about goals for the future, sure, we'll get into the business goals, but I'm like, if you want to travel Asia in five years, like I need to know that because we have to get you a business where you can be in Asia for a full year and it's operating. And you have to let me know, like, do you want to be working on that trip or not? Right. I get a lot of clients too, that are, um, I think as women, it's kind of unfortunate, but we'll notice the signs of burnout, but we're only ready to do something about it often when we decide we're going to have a baby. That's a common one I see right now. We can talk all about that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, I know this isn't sustainable when I have to support both a little human inside of me and once that human comes out. And so I think that's a really important thing to think about is like, when do you want to have a baby? Is that something you want to do? And again, how can your business support you so that when that time comes, you're not like, oh gosh, I have to burn it all down because I wasn't ready. It's like, no, I've created these systems where I can have a version of my business that continues to run on that leave, or I've created maybe a plan to set aside savings so I can fully pause it, right? Like actually thinking about those things based on your life and not just like the classic revenue milestones we hear. I could not agree. One, I mean, like we could talk about the baby burn down a whole lot, <laughs> trust me, but you know, I, I termed this, this phrase, I coined this phrase 2019. My husband and I took like a bucket list trip to Bora Bora and mm-hmm. he and I are both like very, very busy business owners. We work way too much. We fully own it. It's not cute. Trust me, but we, we own that we work too much. Right. And I had just kind of gone into like the course space and I was producing online courses And I've just discovered the magic of like having evergreen content like that, that people could buy. And I just remember like being on the plane and people were buying these courses and I was getting these like Stripe notifications. This sounds like a really bad, like Instagram real montage. Right. But it was this like concept that you could get paid on vacation. So I started calling it a paycation and I would always tell my clients, you don't want to take a vacation. You want to take a vacation where you're not losing money and you have those systems in place. But that comes with, like you said, being founder focused of, it's not just like, tell me what, how much money you want the business to make. Cause we all know the like age old, like let's reverse engineer it. That's how many hours you have to work. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how do you want your life to feel in five years? And mm. if that means you're traveling Asia who's running the show, or maybe it's automated. Or, and if that means you want to have a baby, how are you going to take time off? And and that is so valuable. And in my opinion, so missing from, you know, the online scene right now. A hundred percent. I always ask that question. How do you want to feel like, think of yourself, you know, when you're 55 or whatever age and like, close your eyes, think about in that morning, like, because everybody is different and it's so obvious to say, but we always forget it. Like someone at 55 might want to wake up and be on an 8am conference call that might feel good to them. So they need to build that business very differently than the person who goes, "Mm, I want to wake up. I want to have a slow morning. You know, I want to maybe check in on my emails around 11 a.m. Like those people need to take very different paths to get where they want to go. Mallory, how did, how would you coach somebody? Or I guess I could also ask, how would your clients say you help them cultivate a really healthy relationship with money, with investing, 
do you invest? Do you give them that sort of personal advice? But it seems to me like in addition to just marketing, you're also really giving them that sense of security that so many of us as business owners are just dying to have. Totally. I always say it comes down to like the toddler why question of like constantly asking ourselves like why we want certain things or what do we really mean by that is the other question I ask. So if someone says like, I want to be financially free. Okay, well, what do you really mean by that? right? Oh, I don't want to worry about money. Okay. But what does that really mean for you? Mm -hmm. Right? Somebody could be making 75 K a year, but they work for themselves. They can pick up their kid from school at three o'clock and their bills are paid and they feel no stress in the world. Someone else could be making $2 million and still not feel financially free. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really about breaking down those goals and deciding, deciding what's important to you. And then looking at, again, how the business or personal investments can support that. You know, I had a client, she's uh, maybe between like 55 to 65. <laughs> I feel like you never want to get someone's age too wrong. They might get offended, but she's- She's like somewhere... 47 now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I want to say she's 60, but I feel like she'll kill me if she's 59, you know? <laughs> um, but she, you know, ran businesses her whole life and then through COVID, she was trying to do this online business and she was one of my one-on-one clients. And the more we talked, I'm like, Cheryl, I think, I think you just need to retire. Like the more we talk about this, I'm like, I don't think this business even makes sense for you. And I don't think any business necessarily does right now. And then the more we broke that down, she was like, you're right. Like we're renovating our home. All I want to do is project manage that hang out with my dogs. And I've watched her now for like a year and a half living her best life on social. And it just makes me so happy. We were like two months into a six month contract. She was like, what about the rest of coaching? I'm like, honestly, I will forego it. Like I'll burn the contract if I can see you just living your life, how you should be. And it was so great to see and continue to see, you know, she was just doing the motions of what she always kind of knew to do and like, okay, I'm going to do this next business now. And just for that permission to stop and be like, wait, what do I actually want? And do I have the financial plan to get there? And does the business even need to be a component of it? You know, for some people, it's what part of the components is the business, right? We can't all be in a position to walk away. Um, But that was a really cool experience. I had another client that was heavy into personal debt. So we set up a plan for how he could, you know, come away from that and, he was quite lost in his career too. And the more we kept getting into these, like, what do you want questions? He was able to find the motivation that he never had to pay down that debt. And he was, we call him our Cinderella story because he actually turned around, um, got out of debt, bought a property with my partner. So he's like our, our double whammy client Cinderella story, uh, bought a property, rented it out. And now he's a digital nomad between like Colombia and Miami and literally living his best life. So like that is such a different path from Cheryl's retirement that we talked about, right? Or Brittany who makes her hundred K and is super, super content with it and the life that she's living. Right. So I think it's so, so about figuring out what you really want. How does that relate though to this interesting age? Okay, first of all, go Cheryl. Sorry, I didn't want to like <laughs> really stoked for her, but like yeah. I'm like literally on the edge of my seat right now because this is so fascinating. But like, how do you help your clients then understand that balance? That like maybe retirement is the best thing for you when we live in 
a hustle culture and we live in a culture and a day and age where it's almost a like, look at me, what I've what I'm doing. And if you haven't built a seven figure business online, who are you? And how can we mentally find that balance? Or how can you mentally like coach your clients of like, that's actually what you really want and like eyes on this prize instead? Yeah, I think the thing with the internet is we're, we're more in control of what we are witnessing than we think. You know, I think if already it feels toxic for you when you scroll or if scrolling makes you anxious, you're following the wrong people. Yeah. It's okay to mute your friends sometimes if they are like in this hustle, hustle, hustle mode and you're not in that place. It doesn't mean we don't support them. It doesn't mean we're not happy. But if it feels triggering for you to see that and it makes you want to like, you know, put down your pita colada and like run to your laptop. It's okay to take those things out of your space temporarily and then have them in, in a different capacity too. I think people get so caught up in social being everything. Um, I had somebody that applied to be my virtual assistant and she was like, yeah, I used to follow you for a long time. But when I had my twins, I unfollowed anyone business related because it was really triggering for me because I wasn't in a place to work on my business. So seeing anything business related Mm. just took me out of that, calmness. And I was like, wow, I have so much respect for one, doing that. And two, just being able, like, why can't we more transparently be like, I unfollowed you for a while because of how it made me feel right. Didn't mean that she doesn't like me. She was just honoring what she needed in that time. So I think clearing out your space is really, really important, especially if you're in an industry, like I work with a lot of realtors and their social feeds can become very realtor heavy. And so they almost like forget that the rest of the world is not like nine out of 10 people are realtors. (laughs) So they need to like step back and see like, okay, no, how do I want to show up in my regular life? Like I'm not just the realtor, right? I'm a, a person. And I think that's a really, really important part is separating and surrounding yourself by people and looking at like, who do you actually want to be, right? Like you said, you know, we want to flex that seven figure thing. What if like all of social media went away? Like, what do you really want? Like for me, I want to be able to make sure my family is good. Like my parents can do anything. I don't want money to be the reason that I can't do something or that they can't experience something. And that's what it comes down to. Do I care if random Joe on the internet knows how much money I make? Like, no, which I think is important to say too, because I'm someone who talks about how much money I make on the internet for transparency. But even as someone like that, like I really don't care what anyone thinks. I also love what you kind of mentioned about personal responsibility where like, And I think that really ties to this entire conversation of like, we are personally responsible for our own feelings and for our own goals and dreams and desires. And if somebody out there does not make you feel good, that's not on them to make you comfortable. It's on us to make ourselves comfortable by removing that stimulus. And, you know, same thing as it related to like talking about finances, like we are personally responsible to own this conversation and this knowledge. And I I like love how strong your conviction is in that space. Mm, Totally. You have to seek it out. Like if it's not in your circles or if your circles are not feeling good to you, you have to seek out the spaces that feel good because it's like asking, you know, a plant to grow in horrible conditions. Like, no, you're going to give it the good soil. You're going to water it regularly and it will obviously have better results. Mm, Preach. As I'm looking at my plant in my office (laughs) right now, some of the leaves are dead. It needs a little love. But thank goodness people can't see it. Um, You had said something earlier, Mallory, that I have held on to because I'm genuinely curious for my own sake. But you talked about like you 
in addition to just being like this queen of money mindset, and I could just honestly listen to you talk all day, you talked about how you also are an expert in online marketing. And you said, I teach people how to use social media without wanting to kill themselves. And I, my God, like, can you teach me that also? Because I do. Please, like, please just book a trip to Los Angeles. I got you. But I don't have to tell me twice. Okay, I have I have a guest room for you. The rain will stop. We can have a pool day. You can teach Done. me other ways, please. Done. But I think that that's like such a great tagline when this platform can feel all-consuming. Yeah, and I think it's this weird like um, chained effect we have of thinking like we have to do certain things and show up certain ways. And I think that also comes a lot from the consumption. I remember when Reels first came out. And I sent an email out and it was like seven ways to use reels without dancing and pointing. And it was like the relief that people felt to have tangible examples of other ways to show up on video that actually they could see themselves doing. Like, I feel like there was this phase of Instagram reels where you actually wanted to be like, just like, are you kidnapped? Like, does somebody have a gun to your head? Because like the videos were awkward. They felt like they were dancing against their will. And it's this weird, like, people legitimately told themselves like I have to show up on camera and dance and point. And it's like, no, one, mm. no one said you have to do that. Just to be clear. Like some people said that was working for them. Sure. But I think that's where it comes back to the foundations of understanding marketing is, can you look at that and say, well, why is that thing working? Okay. It's working because they're entertaining someone and they're teaching at the same time. And the way that the music is changing with the visuals is holding their attention. So can I take those three things and find a form of video content that feels good to me and will hold attention, teach them something and entertain them some in some way? And that's where you really have to break down. Like, what, what are we actually just like bottom line trying to achieve on social? And I always say like, if you're bored, we're bored. Um, so if you don't enjoy showing up on social, sometimes it's barely even worth it. Like it's okay to go through that struggle phase of, okay, I'm learning how to post, you know, I'm experimenting, but if you're just showing up and being like, this t-shirt comes in blue and purple, like we're not enjoying that either. So you might as well just stop. So I think if you could find the ways to enjoy it and show up as yourself and then really turn down the noise on all of these like tips and tricks. They can be helpful, but like it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many hashtags you're using. It doesn't matter what time you're posting, really come back to those foundations of marketing of like, how can I connect with my customer? Am I using language they use? Am I considering my client of what time are they going on social? Like if you're doing busy moms, are you posting during dinner time? Because they're probably like using all hands and feet, right? Mm -hmm. Or are we posting in the evening or maybe first thing in the morning when they're scrolling in bed? Like think of it that way. Don't think of like what study has shown us that four o'clock's better than three o'clock. I love what you just said about, um, connecting with like your customer, even like that little tip of like, when is your customer online? Like I've candidly never thought about that. And now I'm like, Oh, right. my God. um, but oh, yeah, I'm like Mondays I will post in the morning and it will be productivity or motivation related because that's how people feel on Monday, Friday. I'm posting something like fun, a little bit cheeky because that's how my people feel on a Friday. Right. And like, it sounds maybe like a scientific equation, but you're like, no, we're just dealing with people and people that we know really well because they're our community. So how do I want to see things online? How does my community want to consume things? I think right now is a great example. I've been honestly 
not to toot my own horn, but I've been going viral nonstop this year and I'm breaking all of the content rules that are out there right now. Everyone says, you know, like three second videos, trending audio, trending audio. I'm making like 30 to 50 second videos that are voiceovers that are me just like teaching and people are engaging with it because I understand my customer and my client and that that's a voice they need right now. So you know, shake off all of the trends and the tips and tricks you've heard and get back to who are my customers? How do they enjoy being um, engaged with? And how do I like showing up for them? You know, I'm going to toot your horn for you too, because <laughs> when our mutual friend, Christina connected us, I, you know, I did the, the 2023 business card. I looked at your Instagram and I was like, I want to both be your best friend and hug you and learn from you. And you know what I mean? Like you, you show up so authentically and beautifully and who wouldn't want to then be in your orbit. And I think that that is like a great valuable lesson of one, like, I'm so happy that you're here talking to me because I get to be in your orbit, but two, you just chose to show up how you wanted to. And you're seeing the success in that by not listening to what the quote unquote experts are telling you to do because you know, what's actually best. A hundred percent. And thank you <laughs> so much. That's so kind. Absolutely. And I think that's something that like we're missing right now is like authenticity, but I also kind of hope that that's the direction social media is going back to. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, TikTok did a big push for that of like, you know, showing up with dirty faces. Like, you know, it's <laughs> not even like no makeup. It's like yesterday's leftover makeup, messy buns, like even just that kind of realness has really like, I think, broken down some walls of what our expectations are. You know, there's, there's different places where we can do different things like lighting and videos does matter. But then there's also this weird world of TikTok videos where like your lighting can be totally horrible and like the video does great. Um, so I think like that platform has honestly pushed us a long way of real authentic. Like even the word authentic makes me want to vomit because there was like that whole phase of Instagram of everyone being like quote unquote authentic when really it was just kind of like, trauma porn or like hmm. being like overly vulnerable, but things that we didn't need to maybe be talking about in those settings um, versus like now people are just actually being like open and they're like real selves. I think like people are so scared of being quirky online. And now like there's just so many corners of the internet that the more you show up as you actually are, the more you will realize like those are the things that everyone has in common. I, I freaking love that. And I'm laughing because I have like two rules on social media. One of it is I will never dance because God <laughs> helps all. Nobody, no one needs to see that. And two, like I will never show up with like my mascara running down my face to prove a point. Right. right. <laughs> like we can exist somewhere in this happy middle and in the middle is where we want to actually be. And in the middle is, is our, uh, I hate to use the word authentic. It's, it's who we are. Totally. And, you know, just talking to you, I can tell that you are the real deal and you help people pull out the real deal in themselves as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So speaking of that, I know that there's a ton of opportunities and ways that if, if somebody was listening to this and they wanted to connect with you, if they wanted to work with you, you have a handful of great opportunities if you wouldn't mind sharing those. Yeah, for sure. So I send out emails every Monday night as kind of my more intimate business community, such as MalloryRowan.com slash email. That will get you on my general list for those goodies. Um, I also have a free content workshop, MalloryRowan.com slash free hyphen workshop. Um, 
And I think those would probably be the best ways to get started or slide into my DMs on Instagram, honestly. So I can put a little bit of a face to the name and then we can connect on there as well as email. Amazing. And we will link all of that in the show notes so that you guys can watch these reels I'm talking about and just <laughs> feel so connected to your new bestie. Mallory, thank you so, so much for your time and for being here and for sharing all of your magic with us. You are just, you're an incredible woman. Oh, thank you so much. The feeling's mutual. Yay.